What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Warrior Soul Podcast. To those of you who are new to the show, my name is Chris Albert. This podcast is where we deliver tools, tactics, strategies, and ideas to empower the U.S. military veteran community to live their absolute best lives. Uh, a lot of times I'm on here doing interviews, interviews with people like Robert Greene, the author of The 48 Laws of Power, uh, people like Ryan Mickler, the host of the Order of Man podcast, uh, people like Boss Rutten, former MMA fighter. And uh, I talk to all these people because they have insights. They're, uh, Ryan's a veteran, but but there's a lot of people who were not veterans who I bring on to the show who bring ideas, tools, and tactics that, that you know many of us might not have heard of. And what I want you to do is apply these to your lives. Um, today, I am speaking to both a veteran and a civilian. And uh, I have on Dan Blakely, who served in the uh, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment. Uh, and I have his uh, lifelong friend, Bo Simmons, on, who is a photographer who has worked in the fashion industry. And they came together. Uh, they grew up together, but they came together to work on a project called the 20-Year War. And they got together with uh, another uh, 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment veteran named Tom Amenta. Tom was at one time the COO of Ranger Up, the very famous veteran clothing brand. And this book that they put together is a photo book. And it's photos of veterans. And unlike a lot of other books, uh, there's not a lot of talk about combat or anything like that in the book. It's about veterans' stories of their transitions into the civilian world. Uh, and they talk about the the difficulties they've had, they talk about the successes they've had, they, they talk about advice for other veterans. Um, they've got some some famous veterans in the book, like Tim Kennedy, like Vince Vargas, uh, and others. And then they've got some veterans in there who, who just had amazing stories. And what interested me about this project is that it's so unique, right? There, there There's not a lot of stories out there about veterans who have gone off and, and, and you know, continued their lives and, and gone on to do other things. And one of the things I said about, this, uh, about the community at the start of the show was I was sick of just hearing about suicide. And I was sick about just hearing about veteran homelessness and drugs and all the other problems we've had. I want to hear the real stories of people who've gone out there to succeed. And that's what we need to hear. Right. And maybe they haven't had an easy road to success. Maybe there's a little bit of darkness in there. Maybe there was some failure. Maybe they tripped up over themselves and, 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 and came back. We need to hear about all of that warts and all, because that is what is going to give us the guide points for living our lives. You know, as I'm recording this, um, it's veterans day, 2021. Uh, we are at the end of an era. You know, 20 years ago, we started this global war on terror. I don't think at the time we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. But through that time, we applied ourselves, we overcame, we met obstacles, we adapted, we made mistakes, we lost people, we lost lives. 
and a lot of us have come back and, you know, we're, we're civilians now. We have a whole new life to live. And that's what we need to focus on. The mission right now is here on the home front. It's in our communities. It's in our families. It's in our places of work. That's where we are right now. That is where the war is being fought. And we all need to take part, every single one of us, to move this community forward, to move this country forward, to make it what we fought for, right? And I hear a lot of people talking about, well, the promise of America, you know, is kind of lost on me. Guess what? That's up to us. That's up to us. We have to fulfill that promise because America is us, right? And I think you'll get the sense of that from this conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with Bo and speaking with Dan here. Uh, I think they they both brought their unique unique perspectives. It was really interesting hearing what Bo had to say, uh, being a civilian about his experience being out there interviewing the veterans. It was also great to hear what Dan had to say, uh, being a, a a seasoned veteran who who served for so long and 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 who had uh, uh, wanted to get this project together. And I, I think these are both great guys, and I think it's an outstanding project. It's called the Twenty Year War. I'm going to have the links up to the sh- uh, up to it on the show notes for this episode. You should all go and check out this book. Uh, I think it's a worthwhile project. They are going to be donating to various organizations out there. And with that, I've already talked too much. I'm going to stop yapping my gums. Let's get into this conversation with Mr. Dan Blakely and Mr. Bo Simmons. Bo Simmons and Dan Blakely, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Yeah, awesome. thanks for having us on, Chris. We really appreciate your time. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming on. We're also going to have uh, Tom Amenta. He's going to be coming on in a little bit, potentially. Um, but I wanted to bring you guys on. You guys have a a book, a project that you've been working on called 20 Year War. And um, I want to get into that. I want to get into the project. It looks absolutely awesome. But first, I want to hear a little bit about you guys, your backgrounds, and and how you came together on this. Yeah, so uh, Bo and I have actually known each other since I was six. I think he was five years old. Uh, My dad was in the Air Force, but my grandparents lived two doors down from uh, Bo. And every time I would visit my grandparents um, in the summers, you know, I, I basically would hang out. I remember the first time that I met Bo, my mom was like, Hey, I think, you know, there's a, there's a boy down the road that, uh, I don't know, you might, might want to play with or something like that. And I was like, all right. So I, I walked down the road, knocked on his door and said, Hey, you have a son and you know, would he want to play? And then, you know, from there, basically we just, you know, became best friends and hung out every summer. And, uh, eventually when my dad got out of the air force after 21 years, uh, we moved to Yucca Valley, California permanently. And uh, so me and Bo went to school for a little bit of time. I ended up graduating um, actually a year early and then uh, enlisting in the Army and uh, going to Second Ranger Battalion, um, which is where I served for six years. But, um, you know, Bo and I kind of stayed off and on connected throughout, you know, many years. I eventually moved out to North Carolina. We just Every couple years, maybe every couple months, if I was in in California, we would hang out. 
um, he would try and find a reason to come out to North Carolina to come visit me. And, uh, we just stayed connected in that way. And, and, uh, our paths crossed again this last year and, and we'll get into that a little bit, but you know, that's kind of a little bit about my history. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Funny enough <clears throat> too. I mean, uh, I don't know how your mom let you hang out with me. Cause I think I was a really bad influence at that age. And and the funny thing is like what you just said, you graduated a year early and I almost got held back my senior year. So <laughs> that, that explains it. But um, no. So like Dan said, you know, I grew up um, with him and our lives took separate paths. He went into the army, which uh, really motivated me at 17 to want to enlist in the Marine Corps. And uh, I took my ASVAB. I scored pretty high on it. I went down to MEPS. I was waiting in line to get the physical and sign your documents and everything. And then my dad showed up uh, in the car and, and picked me up that night. And, uh, you know, basically I was still underage and um, he just didn't want me to go to, you know, to war. I'm his only son. And I think it was uh, kind of a, a hard place between mine and my father's relationship, but it was, it was short lived. You know, I was angry for a few months and then I kind of picked back up where I was going when I turned 18 and uh, my other passion was photography. So I pursued that between working in fashion for over about 12 years uh, between Los Angeles and New York City. And I got really burned out on it. And, you know, 2020 came around. And uh, I think all of us were forced with a lot of decisions of what we want to do with our life with the pandemic and everything else going on. So like Dan said, I packed up everything in my car. I spent about a month and a half driving across the country and uh, moved in with him and his wife for uh, probably about seven or eight months before I finally got settled down in my own place here in North Carolina. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's, that's moving on a dime. That's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah I remember, I remember uh, the last time I visited Dan, this was in probably, uh, it was June of 2020. Um, I flew out and was visiting him and his wife. And, uh, you know, I think I spoke to him a week later when I got home and he was like, what do we got to do to get you to move out here? Mm -hmm. And I was like, not much. Like, I'm really considering it already. So literally, I told him January of 2021 uh, that I would move out. And it was actually in August. I moved like two months later. So I basically found the right opportunity, had a little money saved up, and just kind of went with my heart on it. And it was great because obviously what we're going to be talking about in this episode is it led to us creating a book that I know we're just very honored and privileged to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, Dan, let me ask you this. Um, you know, growing up with Bo, growing up out in, in the desert, um, joining the joining the military, what what made you join the military? And then and then I also want to ask you, as you got out, what what types of things um were you trying when you got out? What types of uh how was your transition uh in, in coming out? Yeah. Um well, you, you can ask Bo this, you know, he grew up in Yucca Valley, but I, I didn't necessarily, I just visited every summer and, uh, at the time and, you know, those early two thousands, like Yucca Valley was really on a, a downward spiral. Like it, it just had crazy, um, you know, drug problems, not only just in the community, but also within the school. Um, you know, I came from a, a pretty good school, um, in Bellevue, Nebraska, and then ended up coming to Yucca Valley, which was a, I'll just say a pretty significant step down to a different school in a different environment. And I would have told you up until that point that I wasn't going to join the military, but 
really that was my only opportunity to to get out. And I, I decided, you know what, I need to I need to do something to take on my own responsibility for my life and my path. And I wanted to, uh, you know, I I felt the need to to serve at that point. And so um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And you know, I convinced my parents to do it. It's a funny story. I convinced my mom to let me join and. She told me not to do anything dangerous, so I initially enlisted as a, uh, or initially signed the delayed entry program contract as a parachute rigger because at least I could jump out of airplanes and, but I wouldn't be in direct combat. And then uh, when I went to sign my formal enlistment papers, they told me that that, you know, that that MOS wasn't available anymore. So I said, okay, I'll take the other airborne job. And I remember the the colonel sitting on the other side being like, you mean airborne ranger? And I was like, yeah, that one. I'll do that one. <laughs> and uh so needless to say i didn't tell my mom for many years what i was doing um but uh yeah when i got out it was it was not easy um you know everybody talks about how their transition was difficult and some people you know go through tra- transition in different ways uh for me it was a complete disconnection from my military service i just don't know why, uh, looking back, you know, I can, I can make a, a plethora of excuses of why, but I just didn't talk to a lot of the people that I served with. I didn't identify as a veteran. I didn't go to, you know, uh, veteran student resource centers or anything like that. I went to school immediately after, um, you know, immediately after I initially got out and, um, yeah, I just, I just didn't identify myself as a veteran. I just tried to kind of put it behind me. And, um, it took me eight years. It took me until 2020 to really realize that that was a huge mistake, um, that I should not have pushed it off to the side, but instead I should have leaned into it and leaned into my experiences and everything that I've been through and, and really use those life lessons to, you know, make my family stronger, my teams I work with stronger, my friends and and coworkers stronger, and just, um, you know, just use, uh, again, the lessons I've learned, the leadership um, capabilities that I've had to, to really just be um, stronger for everybody around me. And uh, I'm doing that now, but yeah. it took a long time. That's crazy because when I got out, I did the same exact thing. I, I, I wouldn't call myself a veteran. I didn't, I didn't even go to the VA for years um, after I got out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't let anybody know at all. I, I ended up moving out to California, went to school out there, and it was the worst mistake I ever made in my life. Um, and, and I'm 100% in agreement with you there. Um, what 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 caused you to lean back into it? What what was the the thing? Was there like a, an event or something like that? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it probably started the fall of 2019. Um, is really where it like started. You know, the juices started flowing. Is one of my friends that I served with, uh, he started a podcast and he actually asked me to come on to the podcast and, and, um, you know, just share a little bit about my story and my background and what I was doing and like, especially in the professional world, but it, it definitely caused me to, to think about my past and what it meant to me. And, uh, that got me to realize, you know what, I should have been talking about this a lot more mm-hmm. up to that point. And it really started getting me to think like, how can I help other veterans and how can I get them to realize that, that the path that I went through is the wrong path and that there are more resources out there for veterans and there are more resources out there for transitioning service members to like reach out and like figure out what's going to work for you because there is no single solution for every veteran. Every veteran has got to figure out what's going to work for them. 
Um, but I wanted to figure out how to do that. And, uh, so that's, that's how we eventually got to, to me and Bo kind of working on the book together. Yeah. Now, Bo, you said you, you had a background in fashion, you know, the, the career you're working out in LA and that's, that's something that, you know, I lived in LA for a little bit. Everybody there is trying to make it at something. Right. And, and you're in this career path where, where you made it right. You're, 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 you're working with models. You're, you're doing that stuff. What caused you to say pivot and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go do something else. You know, I think that um, you brought up a good point that, you know, when people, when they don't grow up in California, um, you get a lot more transplants and move out to LA because, you know, they're not there every day to see it. And it's totally understandable. They kind of see the highlight reel of what it could bring and the, and the opportunities and potential. And I saw that too, but, you know, I grew up two hours away from it my whole life. So I, I would drove out there all the time to go to the beach and all that. And um, I knew that it was kind of a place to where you could easily become somebody you're not. And that's just what happened to me. You know, basically when I was starting to pick up some momentum with work around, uh, I would say 23, 24, it took me a solid probably four or five years to really get my foot planted in the uh, fashion industry. And uh, once I was kind of, you know, making some good money and, you know, you're getting invited to events almost every night of the week, like a fashion event or whatever it is, it, it just gets overwhelming. Um, and I honestly, I started acting like somebody I wasn't. I started thinking my shit didn't stink. I started to hang out with, you know, people that you work with where you're just surrounded by models or people that are in the music scene or whatever. And I had to kind of take a step back because I had a couple of friends I grew up with in the desert who I just lost touch with. Um, it's, it's more like I, you know, ignored them and I let it go. And I even had my own family kind of talk to me and be like, Hey, you're starting to you get like a chip on your shoulder. You're starting to change a little bit. Um, and I kind of had to sit down one day and it was after a very stressful job. And I remember I went camping like the next day, I went out for like a three day trip out with just me and one friend. And I sat down, I remember talking about it, like all weekend long with him and feeling kind of the energy of just being outdoors. And I was like, man, that, this isn't me. Like I grew up a small town desert kid and I've always, you know, cared more about taking care of people and doing things that are going to matter and, and having my friends and my family close and I think it was just kind of overnight. It was just this kind of awakening, if you will, to where I, I cold turkey, you know, quit my job. Essentially, I had a little bit of money saved up, not much um, from the lifestyle I was living. And uh, I had two or three retainers from companies that were supposed to go on for another six months. And luckily enough, I was friends with those companies that could replace me with other artists. Um, so I was able to cut my contract clean but I had nothing. I basically just quit overnight. And so, yeah, I think, I think it just comes full circle that I realized that I was becoming somebody I wasn't and I want to find the right purpose in my life. I wanted to take my ability to take photos and what I love and find a way to help others with it. That's uh, that's, that's awesome. And that's crazy. You know, um, was that scary for you just giving it up or was it, did you feel like it was clean? Like, no, it, it definitely was because, you know, right after I did that, I started going into like fine art. So I, I, um, I didn't know anything about sales. I knew how to sell my, you know, my photography. I knew how to pitch projects and jobs to companies, but I didn't know what it was like to actually sell like a physical product. So I went into 
you know, the next alternative, which was I was working for National Geographic um, and selling fine art for them. And then I was working in like a couple galleries in Laguna Beach, selling fine art to, you know, some of the wealthiest people. And uh, I personally loved it. I got to learn sales. I got to learn the inside out of what it's like when you take your photography and you blow it up large scale. Um, you know, what painters do when they get to, you know, paint on a big canvas and frame it and sell it. So it was definitely scary because there was a huge transition and I didn't have much to my name. Um, I remember like selling all my equipment um, besides my film cameras. And um, yeah, so basically, uh, long story short, my life then transitioned into fine art, which I still do mostly full time now is I sell my own art uh, within galleries across the United States. And how did you guys come up with the idea for this project? Um, and, and, and what was the, uh, what was the spark that kind of gave you guys the idea? Well, um, you know, Bo had just moved his whole life from California to, to North Carolina. And, um, he was talking about one of the projects that he had just been working on, which is, a um, a photo series for heroes and horses, um, which is an incredible organization that Bo could tell you more about, but they do, uh, you know, they help they help combat veterans with severe PTSD to kind of get through it through a, a myriad of ways. Um, they've got a really, really powerful pro- program, but um, Bo had just done like that. Coin therapy. Yeah. And um, Bo had just done that. And, uh, you know, we were meeting up and, and he was talking about what the next project was. And he was like, you know, I love what I did because it was giving back something, you know, to veterans. And I, I think that's really important. And I was like, well, you know, I've been trying to figure out also what I can do to help the veteran community in some way. <clears throat> and then we were just going back and forth about different projects we individually wanted to work on just kind of separately. Um, and then I remember Bo talking about how he wanted to do a photo book about his journey across the United States. Um, and I said, well, what if we do something that kind of hits both of what we want to do is like, I want to get back to veterans and figure out a way to like give a voice to veterans. You want to do a photo book. I've never seen very many, if any, veteran photo books, especially not ones that are produced while the war is still going on or at least towards the end of a war. And, uh, and I said, and not to mention this next year, 2021, um, marks the 20th anniversary of the global war on terror. And I said, that's going to be a huge event and a few, huge opportunity, um, you know, to, to share these stories. And, you know, we went into it very early and saying we – you know, I did not want to share the combat stories. I feel like that's going to be shared. That's going to be played. That's always going to be the thing that people are attracted to and excited about. But the stories that don't get told very often are the transition stories and like where veterans have gone after service. Um, so we talked about that very intently. It was like, yes, we need to give some qualifiers. We need to tell a little bit about their story about, you know, them serving but let's focus on the transition piece and what veterans are doing today. So that's kind of how we, we set out at the very, very beginning. I'm I'm pretty proud of the fact that our original idea, yeah, minor tweaks here and there of like what it looks like the look and feel of the book. But for the most part, our original idea is what the final product was. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Almost seems like there's always some sort of pivot, especially when people are going for books, like you come out with an idea and then, and then it kind of drifts and, but, uh, but yeah, you guys stayed true to, to what you wanted to do. 
how do you, how do you start something like this? What was, what was the conceptualization like? Um, I think from my perspective, uh, Dan, I'll let you answer right after, but, um, you know, basically I think last year, November is when we started actually working on what we were going to do with the book, you know, how many veterans we want to interview. I think our number originally was like 60, um, as far as, you know, fitting it into like a 200 page coffee tail book. And, um, basically I remember, you know, Dan was talking to Tom, um, who's the author, one of the authors of the books who wrote all the stories and was kind of letting him know about the idea that we were doing with this book. And I remember, you know, Tom got so excited about it. He started sending out emails to his list of veterans and people that he knew. And it kind of started to get some momentum to where we could at least build a list of people that we were going to be interviewing and photographing. But it was, it took a lot of time because once we got a publisher on board, that was probably December and uh, a month later. And basically when we told them we want to release this book, on September 11th for the 20 year anniversary, they were like, you got like three months, like you got to get to work now. Um, and I remember I only had maybe two or three veterans interviewed at that time. So beginning of January, um, I basically told Dan, I was like, I got to hit this thing hard. Like I got to do another cross country road trip, drive back to California and then back again and spend about a month and a half on the road. And let's try and let's try and get like 30, you know, veterans, like get half. Um, done within a month. And uh, sure enough, we had maybe seven or eight signed up when I left. But by Dan, you know, navigating all that chaos and reaching out to all the veterans and then calling me and being like, hey, Bo, you need to be here tomorrow um, to meet so-and-so and take their photo. We ended up with like 35 veterans at the end of that month and a half. And then it kind of just, you know, when I got back, it then sent me to Maine with Dan where we did a little winter trip up North. And then I went to Florida a few times, flew to Texas a couple of times, but that was, that was kind of the, the, I guess my side of it. How did, how did you guys find the veterans? It was, um, you know, it was very interesting because we, uh, the, the quickest way that we could do this was like, all right, I can hit my immediate network. And I could hit the people that I know. And, and that's exactly what I did. And, but I wanted to be very intentional. We, we, we had a few goals in mind from the very beginning. We wanted to make sure that we were doing a good, um, like we were hitting all the branches. We were hitting all of the people who have served at different eras and things like that. So if I would have just gone to my network solely, then you would have had a book full of Rangers that served from, you know, 2002 to two thousand. 16 and that's all you would have had. Um, but that's not what we wanted. So, you know, we initially reached out to a few people in my network just to get them going. And then we, it was all word of mouth from there. I said, okay, who else do you think would be good for this book? Who would have a good story? Um, and we were also very intentional because, uh, you know, we, we talked about Tom a little bit, but Tom is, uh, was the, one of the founding members and CEO of Ranger Up, which was the first kind of military lifestyle apparel company, um, you know, in, in 2008 when they were first founded. Um, so he had a ton of contacts, a lot of, you know, in a lot of different places it, from senior level leadership all the way to like celebrity veterans to other people you just haven't heard of and, and things. And I told him that I didn't really want to focus on celebrity veterans. I wanted to tell the untold stories. And so 
you know, from there, he just, like Bo said, started firing off emails. We, uh, from there, just kind of started spreading it. And um, it, it was very organic. It wasn't like we were targeting necessarily very many people. We targeted maybe three or four veterans specifically. Other than that, it was just word of mouth. It was like, who else do you think would be great for this book? And the really amazing thing um, I think speaks volumes about the message behind the book is not a single veteran said no. Um, yeah, I, you know, there's countless veterans who don't want to share their story and there's countless veterans out there that think that, you know, somebody is just trying to get a piece of their story or, or whatever the case may be trying to capitalize on it. But I think because we were doing a book that it was like, no, this is your story written in your first person voice. And we're focusing more not on the, uh, the gore and glory of war, but more so on the transition and what it means to be a veteran today. Um, everybody was like, yes, that's the story I want to tell. That's what I want people to hear from me. And so not a single veteran said no. And, and we didn't leave out any veterans either. So yeah. out of all 71 that we interviewed, all 71 made it in. Yep. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I want to ask you, um, how you guys ran into Tom, but I, I think it's important to ask this now. What what types of themes did you see um, throughout the, uh, the 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 veterans who you interviewed, and what did you learn about veterans through doing this? I'll I'll hit the themes real quick, and I I think Bo should hit what he learned about veterans because it, it it is really important to have the civilian side of um, understanding of veterans and how that has shaped throughout the process, but. There, there are two themes, and what's interesting is they're kind of related, but they're counterintuitive, is um, everybody's transition was not easy. It's some regard, in some point, whether it was, you know, the first few days when they took off the uniform, or it took years down the road to finally figure out their transition, or they're still in the process of it, and they're still trying to figure things out. Um, but the other piece of it is that every veteran, even though they're transitioning, still wants to find a way to serve and still wants to find a way to give back. And I think that's such a powerful thing to like understand about veterans is like, yeah, we all decided to raise our right hand and, and uh, you know, swear an oath and allegiance to the country and to, to the uniform that we wore. And um, even once we took off that uniform, we're still looking for a way to give back, whether it's to the smallest level of you know, our family, our community, or all the way to like the national level and trying to serve, you know, in Congress or in our government or however the case may be. Um, but everybody's looking to give back still, they're still trying to find a way to serve. And it's, it's such a, a cool thing about the veteran community that I don't think you can find really anywhere else. Yeah. And I, I think coming, you know, as a civilian like myself, I didn't, you know, even though growing up next to 29 Palms Marine Base, I didn't really understand like the veteran community. I always respect the military. I mean, hell, I wanted to be in it myself. Um, but I always looked at veterans as like what the media represents them by is like these like bearded badass guys that are just out there killing people. And I was like, you know, so when I went into it, I obviously, you know, have Dan as, as a best friend since we were kids to kind of help me kind of understand it a little bit more. But really, you know, interviewing these 71 people, like meeting up for the first time in their home or in their workplace, around their family, sitting down, asking them like the same questions through a list of like 15 or 20 questions. I mean, mind you, like 
Dan and Tom always laugh at this because I'm a civilian asking these questions. So there's definitely a few questions that I ask where they're like, I wouldn't have asked that, but it's cool that these veterans are being really nice to you about it. And for people listening, I didn't ask the dumb question like, did you kill anybody? I know better than that. But it was it was more just like, you know, some of the guys that um, are in this book that have had, I would say, countless deployments. I'm like, so how many numbers exactly of deployments have you had? And, and Dan and Tom are just laughing like, yeah, you don't ask that guy that. <laughs> but on the more serious note, what I learned and took back from this whole experience was that, you know, veterans, these men and women are, are just like, you know, you and me, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, these are men and women that wore the uniform. And when it came time to hang it up, they're just trying to get out there and make a living. You know, they ha- they enjoy the regular day pleasures that we do. And I think that a lot of people, um, and I'm just saying civilians for that regard, sometimes get a little nervous around speaking with veterans because they somehow like trick themselves into thinking, I got to avoid this, you know, question or how should I talk to them? And it's, it's not that complicated. Like they're human beings. If you know how to talk to somebody and just and listen, I think that's the most important thing that you can do. And the second that I stopped trying to kind of understand veterans is the second that I started actually learning more about them. Like when I actually just spent time with them and, and treated them as regular people and they became my friends, they started opening up to me and telling me like experiences or combat stories or whatever. And that we found ways to connect, even though I've never experienced those things. And I think that a lot of people need to understand that the way that I look at, and I'll never know what it's like to be in a veteran or an active military member's shoes, but what I can kind of gauge from it is that imagine you're at a young age at 18, you know, that fragile age to where you go in and you have all these brothers and sisters that you spend years and years with away from family, away from friends. And you become like a group, you become like a brotherhood and a sisterhood. And then all of a sudden one day that's just stripped away overnight. It's, it would, it would be hard. It would be devastating. And it's going to be hard for you to try and adapt from that and figure out, okay, well now I got to start up a whole new tribe in this like civilian community where nobody even understands like where I came from. So I totally understand the struggles that veterans face, but I think that we as civilians, if we can do more to kind of open up and talk and actually listen to veterans, I truly believe that it can make it easier for veterans to want to try and, you know, bridge that gap. I got to ask you guys this, and this, this might not be an easy question to answer, um, but did every veteran you talked to give you hope or did you see any darkness in this journey at all? I would say both from my perspective. Um, I know Dan did too. Um, I think I was a little more hands-on. I was the only one really traveling for a majority of, of the, of the trips. Um, so I was sitting down and interviewing these people on my phone and then I would send those stories to Tom to write out in first person. And the one thing that I, I did collect from every veteran, and I I would honestly say about 95% of them is that they all had a hard transition. Um, and then even some of them were dealt a bad hand. You know, I noticed that there was probably, my numbers could be way off and Dan, correct me if they are, but I would almost say 25%, um, to 20% attempted to commit suicide at one point or another struggle with alcohol, drug abuse. And it's hard to hear those things. It's hard for me. And to give you an example, like one of the, I think the first like 
two or three veterans that I met with, I remember pulling over on the side of the road and calling Dan because I just had tears in my eyes. And I was like, no matter what we do and no matter how hard this gets, I need you to push me to continue to do this until we get this done because I can't give up on even just these two or three people because then I'd be wasting their time. And I actually want to see their story in this book. And it was just an incredible moment to kind of go through those hard times and hear those hard stories that people would tell. And there was tears that were shed between me and a couple of veterans. And there's times where there's laughter and, you know, you get to see that how they went through kind of the dark times of transitioning. And now some of the amazing success stories that have come out of it. Some of these people have opened multi-million dollar businesses. Some of them, maybe it's not about money. Maybe it's like they're part of their community and they're starting up organizations. There's just so many kind of ebb and flows that go with it. Yeah. I think, I think in general, absolutely. I was inspired. Um, I think it, it reinforced a lot of my beliefs of what I thought about the veteran community and, and what, you know, what I was seeing portrayed, whether it was on social media or it was in the, you know, the national media, or it was from the VA, wherever it was coming from all these, all these narratives and, and topics that were being talked about. And I felt like they were, they were just not being talked about in the right way. Um, and after talking and uh, talking to majority of these veterans and listening to all of their stories and reading all of their stories, um, I realized that veterans are, you know, it, to put it in Tom's words, he actually put this in the afterward is uh, annoyingly normal mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. like, we are just like every other person. And yes, we have struggles, but you need to understand there's a reason behind that. We've experienced a lot of trauma, whether, you know, even, even just in basic training all the way through combat rotations, like there's a lot of trauma that you go through and, um, there's gotta be a way to deal with it. And, uh, so there was like Bo said, and I said, you know, the, the transition was difficult for a lot of veterans, but everybody gave me hope, absolutely gave me hope. And they had something that they clung to that made them excited about what their future was or excited about what you know, what they've done up to that point and how they've given back. So, um, because again, every, every veteran in this book were, you know, maybe one or two is an exception, but every other veteran in this book, you know, is looking for a way to serve. They want to continue to give back. And that's just, again, that's inspiring in itself. That's awesome. I, I think it's so important to get both sides of the story there. Right. Like, I think that, yeah, we want to show success stories. Yeah, we also want to show darkness. And and mm-hmm. the reason for that is because that's the real story, right? And and if we just show one side of it, you know, it, it's not going to help anybody or or anything. So like I think like um there was this period of time probably around like 2016, 2015, 2016 when we first started hearing about veteran suicide where the media was kind of making veterans look like they were all on the edge. Like they were all like about to crack. And like, we had these, these killers out there in society who were, who were hanging by a thread who, who were, you know, at risk of killing themselves and, and, and all these different things. And I think that was the wrong way to look at it. And I also think, you know, um, 
maybe the the rose colored glasses version of everything where you know that it was just a happy go lucky story they came back they lost people but they came back and restarted their lives that's not not the case either it's somewhere in between right and and mm-hmm. and i think like you know books like this opportunities like this to actually go out there and talk to veterans as real people are so important because of that mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah I, oh go ahead i could I, I couldn't agree more and i think uh you've got to break down those barriers of having these conversations and, and make it to where, you know, we have this, this large media format with this book now, but that can't be the end all be all that needs to be just the starting off point of people to read these stories, you know, see these photos and see these people. And one thing we haven't talked about yet, but we were very intentional about the photos that we take. These people are them today, what they look like, out of uniform because to to Bo's point, he had a certain stereotype and perspective in his mind of what a veteran is supposed to look like. Well, when you look through these photos, you don't see that at all. You see just a person. And uh, I think, again, this, this is just the beginning and, and we need to have more of these conversations and veterans need to be more open to, to, to having these conversations and civilians need to be more open to having these conversations and, you know, there's there's going to definitely be a, a moment and maybe we're at that moment right now where, you know, we're moving on from these wars and we're we're transitioning more into a peacetime military. And we're going to have to reflect back on the last 20 years. and We're going to have to reflect back on our service and and our deployments and what they've meant to us as a country, but then also what they've meant to us as veterans who have served over the last 20 years. Absolutely. Dan, what were you doing um, during the, during this whole period of time as a, as a profession, what, what were, uh, what was your, what was your job? Uh, during the, the building of the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I was, uh, I was working as a project engineer, project manager for a, a controls and automation company. Um, and luckily like, you know, COVID was a, a blessing and a curse, I, I guess, because I was able to work remotely. Um, so I was kind of able to, to weave the, the things that needed to be done for the book um, also into my life of, you know, doing my daily job as well. So um, my wife was very irritated with me for a while because I think <laughs> I was working, you know, 14 to 16 hour days pretty consistently while we were building this book. I think we all were. Um, yeah. And uh, but, yeah, that, that's what I was doing. And it was uh, it was a it was a grind for a while. Yeah, I imagine that these types of projects, I mean, uh, anything you do is, is, is that you love doing is going to take a lot of time, but, but I imagine this probably took a good, good amount of your free time up. Um, and, and Bo, how are you, how are you working this in with your commercial shoots and things like that? You know, I, uh, I didn't have anything to do. I had all the time in the world to work on this. Cause like I said, I was living with Dan and his wife at the time and they were fortunate enough to kind of give me a bedroom and a bed and say, Hey, you might as well just stay here until we get this book done. Like you're, you're putting all your money into this thing. And you know, the housing market is horrible right now. Just wait till we're done with this. And then, you know, we'll kick you out. Um, and basically, uh, it was like Dan said, it was full days of, you know, him doing his job. And then I'm upstairs in the other room sitting behind a computer screen for 10 to 12 hours and editing every single page of the book. So, after, you know, I'm out in the field photographing these veterans and interviewing them, 
and then getting my film back. And uh, for people listening, like I don't shoot on digital cameras. Like I shoot everything on film, you know, back from like the seventies and eighties. Um, so when I send it into a lab and I get those photos scanned and all that, I can put them on my computer, I can edit them. And I was basically just spending all day, you know, aligning the text and creating the designs. And the, and the neat thing about every single veteran and the pages are, are so unique is that I want to give it like an old kind of Polaroid style, you know, to go with my film photos. So there's portraits of each veteran, but then there's also, you know, Polaroid kind of mock-ups, if you will, of their photos from their service. So a lot of them from deployments. And, um, you know, the, the neat thing is you've got husband and wife that serve together. You've got two sisters, you've got two brothers, you've got a father and son. Um, it really is a, a crazy thing, but that was kind of the majority of the time that I was spent. You know, we had a three month window to get this done. Most publishers would be like, yeah, get out of here. That's not going to happen. And, uh, I learned real fast working with, you know, two guys that were in the military that, uh, you can get stuff done real fast if you're all working together. <laughs> that's that's awesome. There must have been kind of like this crazy reveal then when you were developing the film, because, you know, if you don't have like the digital image of everything, yeah. you can't see it right away, which would drive most people these days crazy. There must have been like this crazy kind of like reveal where you said, oh, man, I hope this photo came out good. And, and, and then it came out. Yeah, it's I know this is just an audio uh, podcast and. Uh, what you and I can see Dan laughing right now. And the reason why he's laughing at your question is because uh, there's, there was a couple of times and one in particular to where I've been shooting film for probably, Oh shoot, almost 10 years now. So um, I feel pretty confident in my ability to capture exactly what I want with one photo. But there was a time to where Dan and I were getting ready to go meet up with a, a pretty high leader in the, in the military in his time. And, um, meeting up with him and his son, the father and son that, that uh, actually got to do a mission together. Um, and uh, I remember I looked at my, my uh, camera and I only have 10 shots per roll of film. I have three left and I didn't have any new film with me. And I had to take exactly three photos. I had to take one of the father, one of the son and one of them together. And Dan was like, you only have three shots and we have to get three shots. So I think Dan was sweating bullets and I was like that we're fine. We're good. I got this. <laughs> and I, I would have been going nuts. There. I think we sat there and sweated for about a week and a half because that's about how long it takes to get the film back. And then once we got it back, I think I was upstairs and I was like, Dan, to relieve your nerves, it came out. And he's like, oh, thank God. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all about redundancy, man. It's all about redundancy. That's <laughs> all it is. Anybody that, you know, works in a field where they've been doing it for a while, yes, there's room for mistakes and, uh, you know, knock on wood, I hope I don't ever do a, a serious project where I goof up on film. But um, yeah, I, I just felt confident in it. And I did every step of the way with every veteran. You know, I would take approximately three to four photos of each veteran, um, you know, in different places or environments. And uh, we'd kind of just pick the best image to go along with it. Um, how did you guys run into Tom? Uh, how, did, how did he become involved in the project? So when I initially got out in uh, 2012, I, I joined the North Carolina National Guard for two years. And um, Tom was uh, serving in the North Carolina National Guard. And we, we kind of ran into each other. And um, he actually was also a former 275 Ranger, but he was an era before me. So he served from 
99 to 2005. I got in in 2006. So we just missed each other. And so we ran into each other in North Carolina National Guard. Again, like I said, he was uh, the CEO of uh, Ranger Up. And so, you know, we kind of just stayed in contact throughout the years. He, he left Ranger Up, um, I think, in 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, but even after he left that, you know, we just stayed in contact throughout the years. And, and uh, it just was by complete happen chance that he um, – he was just on a podcast that he posted on his social media and um, I, I was listening to it and I was like, he, he had one question in there where he kind of hit exactly what I was trying to do with this book. He was right on point with it was like, let's talk about the transition. Let's stop talking about, you know, glorifying war and things like that. And I was like, that's spot on. That's what I want to do. So um, I called him up like pretty much right after that. And, uh, you know, from there we were like, let's do it. Let's get this started. And, and, uh, anybody who knows Tom, Tom is really good of, uh, he's the crusher of hopes and dreams. And, uh, he could have easily said hell no Mm -hmm. to the project, but he was, he was so excited. He, uh, as soon as we hung up on the phone, he just started, you know, firing off emails left and right to everybody. Um, one of the people that he emailed was uh, general hotel, who's the one that, um, wrote the forward to our book. He's the former um, JSOC commander, former USASOC commander, former CENTCOM commander. So he was in charge of the entire theater in the Middle East uh, for a period of time. And he wrote our forward, which is honestly a huge honor for us. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of how Tom got you know into the, into the fold with us. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, you guys working on this project for a while, you, you have a, a publisher, um, then of course with books, writing, it's half the battle, getting it together is half the battle. The next step is getting everybody to know about it and actually getting it into the hands of people. Um, how did you guys approach that? What, what, what's, uh, what was the, uh, marketing plan like? So we, um, it was unfortunate, perfect time, how everything happened. Um, you know, we, we wanted to launch this book on 9-11, um, you know, that marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this year. Um, and then, you know, everything with the Afghanistan withdrawal kind of happened. And um, it was it was crazy for several weeks for us because um, Tom, the, when, when the collapse was clear that the collapse of Afghanistan was going to happen, so, you know, middle – August, I think, I think it was actually on my anniversary, August 14th. Um, he was quoted in a New York times article. I think it was New York times, uh, Washington Washington post. Thank you. Uh, article kind of just, uh, given his feelings of what was happening in Afghanistan and that kind of jump started everything. We started getting hit up by every single media outlet you could possibly think of, uh, between Tom and I, I think, you know, Tom probably did, 60 to 70 percent of the the media hits but we were on every single national news media to like lower level news you could possibly think of because we were the only authors out there that have a book titled the 20-year war and everybody's news headline at the time was the 20-year war the 20-year war the 20-year war so of course they started hitting us up and um you know, we kind of, you know, went with that and it was, it was really difficult, honestly, to be, to be a hundred percent honest. You could ask Tom, it was difficult for him too. Is like, 
not only balancing your day job, but then also trying to be the de facto voice for the veteran community of like how we feel about what's happening in Afghanistan. Um, and it was not something that we wanted to do necessarily, but it was something that we knew was put on our shoulders because we wrote this book. And, um, so that's, that's again, unfortunate, perfect timing. We had a different plan around it. We had a different plan of like how we were going to market this book. Um, but because of the collapse of Afghanistan, we kind of had to pivot, uh, to really, you know, kind of utilize, I guess, a lot of the media that was behind that. You know, um, unfortunate, perfect timing, like in, 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 in thinking about everything that's happened over the last few months with Afghanistan and, and, you know, we're, we're wrapping up these, what seem to be forever wars going on. Um, you know, uh, how, how, do you feel about everything? I mean, and, and what does the outcome mean for the veteran community uh, or at least our generation of the veteran community? I, you know, I've been hearing this from a lot of veterans and it was, it was hard to hear, but this is what I'll, 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 I'll say is um, a lot of veterans came to us and, and said, you know, what was it? What was it worth? You know, was it worth it? Was what we did even worth it? Did we even get anything out of it? And um, I think it's a, a really good analogy to have of, you know, you could you could stop the bleeding. You can prolong somebody's life. You can try and give somebody freedom, even if it's just for a day, a week, a month, years, 20 years that you can provide for somebody. And yes, our mission changed from going after terrorists to then, you know, propping up a, a new nation to try and, you know, experience some of the freedoms that we have here uh, in the United States. And you can say that it wasn't worth it because we lost people, but at the same time, it was worth it because we inspired a new generation of people in Afghanistan. There's a whole population, a whole society, a whole factor of Afghanistan now that looks to the United States as, as being the model of what freedom can look like. And I think that's that's why you fight. That's why you put on the uniform. That's why you decide to deploy is you want to spread our ideals. Yes, it's to protect ourselves and our allies. But at the same time, it's also to hopefully give people that American dream, to give them a, a reason to live, to give them a reason to, to try and want to have that freedom. And um, so it was absolutely worth it. And, you know, what we need to do moving forward is what we've been talking about is we need to talk as veterans. We need to lean on those experiences of combat over the last 20 years and, and teach those lessons that you can only learn in combat to our civilian counterparts and become the leaders in our communities and in our government and in our businesses and, and make sure that, you know, we inspire the next generation and become, you know, uh, the next, next greatest generation, the second greatest generation, you know, coming out of this long war. And, um, I'm inspired. Yes, it's it's hard to see what's happening in Afghanistan, but I am inspired for the future for sure. Absolutely. Well, how can people get this book? Where can where can they find it? Um, where can they purchase it? Um, so people can go to uh, the twenty or twentyyearwar.com. It's spelled out. You can actually screw it up any way you want. Uh, we've bought all the URLs, so it's it's twentyyearwar.com. <laughs> Um, and you can buy it directly there on our website. Um, 
we actually are, are doing a few things, you know, I, I don't, and I apologize. I don't know when this, this episode is going to release, but right now for veterans day, we do have a, a promotion to, for a discount, but then in the future, we're actually partnering with quite a few nonprofits um, to where we're going to be donating proceeds um, to them. So you can buy, there's two editions actually on our website, a standard edition and a limited edition, which comes with uh, additional, um, you know, really nice slip case, a coin, a, a leather patch and things like that. So yeah, go to 20yearwar.com. And, awesome. and to, to add a little bit to what uh, Dan was saying too, even purchases now directly through our site, we are donating proceeds to. We just have a list of organizations that we're working within and we're going to be doing different organizations, you know, rotating them out. Um, so we're just happy to be able to do that. And we're hoping that, you know, anybody that opens a book and sees the portraits and read the stories gets motivated by it as much as we are. And, um, you know, like Dan said, they can just go to 20 year war and, and there's two different editions that they can order. Outstanding. Outstanding. Anything you guys want to leave off with anything, uh, I should have asked anything our audience can help you guys out with, uh, besides this. I'm no, I think from my perspective, I'm kind of curious, Chris, if we have the time, I kind of want to hear, you know, your perspective on kind of veteran transition and kind of maybe some of the things that you've learned from doing your podcast and having other people on. Yeah, man. Um, well, a few different things. One, um, you got to keep going no matter what. Um, when I got out of the military, I, I tried a bunch of different things, right? So I went to grad school, um, went to, to do a PhD, learned four years later that that definitely wasn't what I wanted to do with my life and that I was, was doing it not for myself, but because I thought it was what other people wanted me to do. And I wanted to have this other title that, that, you know, Dr. Albert, that would be, um, people could look highly upon and, and was kind of, um, pursuing my own, um, insecurities. And then, um, after that, I spent, uh, you know, three more years building a gym in Long Beach, California, because I thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to build this gym and, and eventually figured out, well, no, that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I, uh, learned a lot from that. I, um, built a world famous gym, um, became a, a, a moderately well-known bodybuilder, but it wasn't up my alley. And then from there, I, I went and was in a spiral that I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, mm. and, uh, I worked for a media company. Um, I, uh, was doing like weird entrepreneurial online things for a while, um, was doing a lot of online training. Um, but, but the one thing that I loved doing was giving back to this community, um, and, and doing this podcast. And what I figured out was that I could have saved myself a whole hell of a lot of time if I was more in tune with myself. If I actually took a few minutes every day to sit down in the morning and listen to my thoughts, meditate on it a little bit. And I think we, we think of that as like some hippy dippy stuff, but if I had been more in tune with who I am and, and who I actually wanted to be and what I actually wanted from life without, you know, filling my, my head with garbage from, from popular culture and things like that, then, then I would have figured out where I wanted to be a lot sooner. And, um, 
so what I tell guys out there and, and you know, what I tell, tell them every week here is number one, get to know yourself, figure out what you want. Number two, don't give up. Number three, focus your focus on making yourself the best person possible. Um, and, and what I mean by that is continue to give back, continue to serve. Uh, don't just sit there and complain about things. Get out there and actually make a change in your community. Learn what you got to learn. Get the skills that you need to get. And then, um, uh, uh, you know, learn how to build yourself up and put yourself into a position where you can have an impact. And I truly think that the veteran community is a sleeping giant in this country. And that uh, when we wake up, that's the the thing that's going to change this country for the better. So that's my perspective. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, uh, I, I wrote a, a intro. We all wrote an intro in the book and mine was specifically about the transition and something you said, said there is like, learn who you are is, is basically reworded of exactly what I put in the book is like, do the self reflection and understand what your service meant to you and what you're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. And I think if every veteran can figure that out, some, it takes a day, some, it takes eight years. Some of it may take even longer. 20. Um, once, you <laughs> once you figure that out, you know, it's, it's an incredibly powerful thing and, and you're, you're spot on. So that was awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's the case. I mean, you could have all the money in the world. You could have all the, 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 the stuff in the world. You could have fame, you could have anything, but if you're not listening to yourself and knowing yourself, then you're going to be in a really bad place. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I really appreciate you guys. And I, I think this is an awesome conversation and, and, uh, you know, I really, um, I really admire you for doing this, both of you and, and, and Tom as well. Um, I think that, you know, taking action and actually creating something and, and building it and, and having that thing become this thing that's other than you right now, because what you've done is you've taken this idea and you've created something that's going to stay there and that's going to, that's going to be out there for, for the rest of history. And, and I think that's awesome. It takes a lot of guts to do that. Um, and, and it's also super inspiring. So, so thank you guys for doing this project. Um, Dan, thank you for your service and, uh, happy veterans day. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah. of course. Thank, thank yeah. you for having me. It was an honor. Awesome. To everybody else out there, listen, um, find the 20 year war, go over to their website. Um, highly recommend getting this book. Uh, I'll have all the links up on the show notes for this episode and, um, you know, take the lessons you got from this podcast and this conversation and apply them to your life. I mean, life is too short to, to not go after what you want in this world. And we all know that in this community, we know it too well. So get out there and do it while you can get out there and do it while you're conscious and live your best lives while you can. This is Chris Albert, Bo Simmons and Dan Blakely. And we are out.